Now, you know the, the louder you say amen, the better I'm going to preach, right? I'm just going to have it today. So turn to your neighbor and say, you better say amen very loud today. Come on, you got to be loud. We're talking about pursuing. Today I want to talk to you about the, the thought of pursue grace. Turn to your neighbor and say that to him. Say, pursue grace. At the start of the new year, don't we all make great aspirational goals, don't we? How, how many... One of my favorite pastimes now is just to go at the first year and read social media and see how long it's going to take for everybody to make these posts and how long it's going to take for people to not keep them. <laughs> this is the year I get off social media. And every day they tell you on social media how they're going to do that. Well, this is the year. This is the year. You know, I went and bought my new shoes and I got my gym membership and yeah, you've been there twice. You know, one of the things that we do is we love to talk a, a big game, but then we all do it and then we don't always follow through. Probably the majority of the things we, we set as goals or for the year, we don't end up following through. They're, they're, they're high ideas and they're all based on good intentions, but the majority don't follow through with them. I remember before I had kids that I, I would see kids in the store. And I remember one time I had this parent and this kid was just throwing this fit in the line. Parent went and buy them what they wanted. The kid threw himself on the floor, kicking and screaming. I mean, blood curling screams at a high pitch. I'm like, Lord, help me. Jesus, it was loud. And I said, I will never... I will never let my kids do that. And as a father of five, I can tell you all five of them did that at one time or another. I remember one time one of the kids was acting up and doing that, and I was like, and I looked and I saw a parent staring at me like, you know, I was like, the same look I gave the parent before I had kids. See, everyone has their high ideas. I remember we said we would never, we wouldn't let electronics raise our children. Remember that, that statement? You know, we, we don't want the TV to be the last thing. Or be, you know, before they go to bed, we want it to be nice and calm. And we'll play something calm music, maybe some worship, set the atmosphere. And then when you have five kids and one gets up at 5.30 in the morning, you're like, just put a movie on. <laughs> be quiet. Don't wake anybody else up, please. <laughs> they're, all, they're all high ideas until you get in the middle of life. And then life happens, right? It's just the way it is. As Christians, we can all feel this way many times in our life. As Christians, we can all feel this way at times like we're second-class followers of Jesus. You know, I had high ideas of following Jesus. I had high ideas of living to a higher standard. And when we don't, we find ourselves living at a place of feeling like I'm just not measuring up. I'm just not doing what I said I wanted to do. Pastor Gene, you inspire me. I write down goals. I write down prayer requests. We, we do good for a while, but yeah, I find myself falling back into old patterns. I find myself not living up to the standards I, I keep wanting to keep, and then we keep a score in our mind. And then today, I got good news for you, though. Even though we don't measure up, God always measures up. Even though I don't always keep my promise, God always keeps his promises in my life. Come on now, tell someone, God always keeps his promises. Even when I fail, God is faithful. Even when I'm weak, he is strong. Even when I don't know the answer, he always knows the answer. 
God is still faithful to his promises. So I want to look at a guy today who's one of the most popular followers of Jesus, one of the most popular disciples. His name was Peter. I love Pete today. I can relate to Pete. Anybody here relate to Pete? Pete? Peter had a lot of great intentions, but always seemed to not follow through. He always seemed to mess up, but his spirit, his heart was in the right spot. And Jesus really favored Peter, really liked Peter, but Peter never lived up to what he said he was going to do. Peter found himself. Peter was following Jesus. Peter was pursuing Jesus. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Peter was unified with Jesus. So how did he respond? We we can learn a lot in our pursuit of Jesus, pursuing him as a disciple. How did his disciples respond? And how did Jesus respond to them? How did he respond when he didn't measure up? Let's look at Peter's denial of Jesus today. At the Last Supper, we see where before Jesus went into the garden and before he was arrested and crucified, that he had a Last Supper with his disciples. And there at the Last Supper, he begins to share with them that he is going to be struck down. That he's going to be struck down, and there he's I'll be struck down, and you guys are going to deny me, and all these things are going to happen, and I'm going to be betrayed, and you guys are going to forsake me. And Peter's like, not me. No, not me, Jesus. Jesus predicts his death. Then look at Peter's response here in verse 29 and 31 of Mark chapter 14. Peter said to Jesus, even if everyone else, how many of that sound like us? If nobody else is going to do it, God, I'm going to do it. We, we've all been there. Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus responded to him, I, I tell you the truth, Pete. Hey, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. That you don't even know me. Peter, very, very passionate. No! Empathetically, he's what he said. No! Even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you. And all the others, they vowed the same. Can, can you see the momentum of this? Jesus, we love you. We, would, we will never deny you, even if they have to, we have to die with you. I mean, he was setting this high standard for his life. He was trying to measure up. I'll, I'll even die with you if that's what it means to be your father. Peter made a promise with his heart, but it was a promise he couldn't walk out. He made a promise with his heart. His heart wanted to do that. There's no doubt that Peter had great intentions. There's no doubt that Peter's spirit really wanted to do that. But he put his heart when it got down to the actual physicality of the pain and what was going to happen to Jesus. He he couldn't bear to keep that promise. Later that night, Jesus is arrested and taken to trial. He was beaten and whipped. Three times people asked Peter, They asked him if he was a disciple of Jesus, and each time Peter denies him. I don't know who he is. And when you go back and look at these times of denial, it wasn't just a denial. At times, he got really colorful with his use of vulgar language. I mean, it was really bad. It wasn't just, I don't know him. It was blankety-blank-blank. I don't know the blankety-blank-blank. I mean, it was bad. He was, it was about as bad as he could have been when it comes, he was trying to prove. He was, I ain't connected to that guy. It says one time he was around the hot coals of the fire trying to keep himself warm, kind of watching in the distance and somebody recognizes him. Hey, aren't you the one who followed him? No, I didn't know who he was. And so three times he had a chance 
and all three times he failed. See, Peter had to learn to walk in the grace of God. See, if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, you gotta learn to walk in the grace of God. Jesus, look at me, Jesus didn't set the standard for Peter. Peter set the standard that high for himself. Jesus, what did he say? Hey, I'm going to be struck down. This is what he told him in the upper room. I'm going to be struck down. You guys are going to deny me. They're going to crucify me. But I'm going to be resurrected again on the third day, and I'll meet you in Galilee. That's what Jesus said. It was Peter who said, I'll die with you. I'll never, I'll never deny you. I'll, I'll be with you to the very end, Jesus. It was Peter's heart. It was in the right spot. But when it came down to it, he wasn't ready to handle that kind of pressure. He wasn't ready to handle that. His heart was in the right spot. But you notice, Jesus didn't draw that standard for him. Peter drew that standard for himself. Jesus put the standard pretty low. You guys are going to, hey, I'm going to be struck down. You guys are going to deny me. <laughs> I mean, he put it out there like it was. He knew. Your heart's in the right spot, Peter, but your flesh, your flesh is not ready yet for this kind of commitment. He's like, I'm not even hard. He's like, remember, he struggled with in the garden. Father, any other way? So how could Peter, who was fully man, Jesus struggled with because he was fully man and fully God. He was able to walk it out. Jesus didn't set that standard. Peter set that standard. We often make promises to God and we don't follow through. God wants us to understand this, that there is grace for you and unfulfilled promises. There's grace for you when you don't measure up. There's grace for you when you set high goals and you don't live them out. There's grace for you when you say, I wanna, I wanna do more and you don't quite get there. It's okay, God sees it, God understands, and God is still loving you. God is still with you. We get to the place where we want to back off. And so how do we follow Jesus, pursue him? Number one, you gotta, you gotta pursue Return to grace. You gotta re return to grace in your life. We gotta understand where our strength comes from. We gotta understand where we are. Last Monday night, during the Cowboys game, anybody, any Cowboys fans in the house today? Come on now. And in the Cowboys game, playoff game, started the fourth quarter. How many felt the devil move when you lost electricity at your house in Web City? Anybody else? Started the fourth quarter. The, all the electricity goes out in my house. I got a house full of children. We're all watching the game. We're loving the game. So we tried to pull up the game on our phones. And of course, because the electricity's down, the Wi-Fi's down. And so we switch over to the tower. And because of all this happening, the towers are being pulled. And none of us could get the game on the phone. And we're like, ah! Finally, I said, if I turn everything off, and we had one phone. And we tried to get it up, and we got one phone. One after work. So we're sitting around in the dark on the floor watching a screen about this big, watching the fourth quarter. I had a backflash in my childhood. This is how I had to watch TV in the dark in my room at night, black and white, this big. All right, any, any uh, 80s kids remember what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. It's, that's the way it was. And you realize something that you want to get up and do things, and all of a sudden you realize that, that takes electricity. That takes electricity. That takes electricity. That takes electricity. My, my home, we understand, our homes were made to run off electricity. Everything in my home was made to run off electricity. 
I want you to get this in your life. Everything was made to run off grace in your life. When you unplug from grace, you unplug from the power of God. When you unplug from grace, you're not going to go very far. It's like putting gas in your tank is what grace is to your engine. When you pour water in that tank, it ain't going to go very far, is it? It's going to mess up. It's going to implode. But we were made to walk in grace. We were never made to walk in our own power. We were never made to walk in our own standard. We're called to walk in God's standard. And the good news is this. God's standard is covered in grace. God's standard is covered in grace today. If you're going to pursue God to a new level, you got to allow grace to consume you. you got to understand grace is how I live and how I move. I've got great goals, but when I don't measure up, grace pushes me over. When I don't always have the answer, grace is there to carry me. When I don't know how to feel, grace is there. Grace, grace, grace. Everything runs on grace. We can't get past this. It's all about the grace. If you don't live your life on grace, you're going to find yourself burning out. If you don't live your life on grace, you're going to give up on church. You're going to give up on God. I just can't live up to the standard. Peter had, had a great standard. Man, we applaud A for the answer, A for the passion, A for the heart, A that he was committed to say that. I'm willing to die. But he couldn't live there. He wasn't ready yet. He was not there yet. He wasn't there. Why? Because he, he fell short. You and I, we fall short, don't we? You and I, we, we fell. But the good news is it's God's grace that carries us. It was God's grace that has gotten me this far, and it's God's grace that's going to carry me on. I didn't deserve God's grace when I first received it. I don't deserve God's grace today, and I don't deserve God's grace tomorrow, so I might as well just receive it and be blessed. I'll never deserve God's grace. I'll never earn God's grace. So I might as well receive the free gift of grace that God wants to give to his children. Receive it. Walk in the blessing of the Lord. Walk in the knowledge of the blessing of grace in my life. It's grace. Grace empowers us to live out the new life. It's a new life in Christ. How do I live it out? Grace. How do I live out? It's grace. Jesus said, I will meet you in Galilee. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Jesus said, I'm going to be struck down. You guys are going to forsake me. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to resurrect on the third day, and I'll meet you in Galilee. And after his resurrection, where do we see Jesus at? Peter is out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, he sees some smoke coming up on the beach and his partners in the boat. Peter had given up, saying, I'm not worthy to be a disciple. I'm going to go back to fishing. That's all I know to do. And I'll go back and be a stinking fisherman and I'll catch some fish and be a commercial fisherman. And all of a sudden, he sees the, the hot coals burning on the shore. And he sees the smoke rising up. And someone says, I think that's Jesus. And he, he takes and he jumps in. And he swims the shore to find Jesus there. I love this because Peter broke his promise. God, I won't leave you. God, I'll go with you. God, I will die with you. Peter broke his promise, but God didn't break his promise. He was right there in Galilee, just as he said. He didn't say, Peter, I was going to show up in Galilee, but because you broke your promise, because you didn't follow through with what you said you was going to do, I'm not going to show up now. 
No, God always shows up. God always keeps his promises. God is always a God of promise and grace in our life. And even when I don't follow through with everything I know I want to do for God, God always follows through in my life. He always shows up. You call out to me and I'll be there. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. In the midst of the worship, I inhabit the people. He didn't say in the midst of perfect people, in the midst of sinless people. He said in the midst of worship of fallless people. No, he didn't say that. In the midst of worship, of people who have failed, of people who are crying, of people who have struggled, of people who are mourning, people who are celebrating. In the midst of the worship, he is there. God always shows up. See, we put the standard there. God, you can't show up. I can't, I can't worship this week. I was horrible. Well, if that is the clause and the standard for worship, then we might as well all stay home. Because all of us fall short of the glory of God. But because of grace, because of grace, I have been redeemed and you have been redeemed. And we can now boldly approach the presence of the Lord. Now Jesus is there and he's cooking a coal fire, a breakfast for them when he gets to the shore. And this is an amazing story. Think, Think about this. When was the last time that Peter denied Jesus. He was, the Bible was very intentional. It says he was standing around a hot coal fire. It was there that he denied. I don't know who he is. So the next time we see a scripture where Peter's standing around a hot coal fire, it's with Jesus. Don't let this pass you by. This is very intentional by the writers or by the scripture because they want to know that Jesus is intentional of bringing us right back to our greatest failure and say, I'm still there in your greatest failure. Peter had to be reminded, oh man, I remember blowing at Jesus as he looked into those coals. He had to be reminded of the words he said, I don't know who you are. It was there. He was reminded. Peter had to be reminded. The last time I was around the coals, I failed. And look what happens now. And this is what Jesus says to him. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't say, Pete, what happened to you? I knew you'd fail. Why wouldn't you stronger? He gives none of that, none of that stuff that you and I would naturally do. Instead, this is Jesus' response in John 21, 15 to 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I Peter replied, you know I love you, then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus kept asking him the same question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, I want you to understand something here. When you go back and look at Peter's love and Jesus' love, it's actually, when you go back to the original meaning of of the Greek, you'll see actually two different words being used here. Jesus said, do you agape love me? And Peter said, yes, I phileo love you. Agape love is a godly love. It's the highest form of love given to man. It's a godly love that would lay down his life for his children. It's a, it's a godly love. It's the highest form of love ever known is an agape love. 
Phileo love is the same word we use for the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's, it's a brotherly love. Yeah, I love you. I love you, my neighbor. I love you, my brother. I love you. But Jesus said, I don't want to know if you really love me. Do you love me here? You know I love you here. Jesus said, do you agape me? Peter said, I phileo you. Jesus, do you agape me? Peter, I phileo you. Why? Because he wasn't there yet. He just proved it. He wasn't there. His heart was. Isn't it amazing the first time in the upper room, Peter's like, I agape you. I'll even die with you. But now he's like, I phileo you. <laughs> I learned something. I learned something here. Jesus is like, this is the standard I want you to be at. Do you, do you want to be here? And he's like, you know I love you. But no, do you really love me? No, you know I love you. You know you really love me. We, we can't overlook this because I believe something was happening here. That he was saying, if, if you love me, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than phileo? That's what he was asking. Do you, do you more than phileo me here? Phileo, do you, do you love me more than brotherly love? Do you really godly love me? You know I do. See, he said, then love people. If you really, really love me, then love people. If you have blown it, if you failed, if you made a mistake, what's my response in pursuit of Christ? I, I love people. That's what we say, then love people. Feed my sheep. Do you want to get to the place of agape love? Then feed my sheep. Then love my people. And number two, let God lead you. Let God lead you. We surround ourselves with grace. We let ourselves be saturated with God's grace, and then we let God lead us. Now look at verses 18 and 19 now, after Jesus follows up this conversation. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself whenever you wanted to go. That's before you got married, right? But after you're married. No, that's not it. But when you're old, you'll be stretched out your hands and others will dress you. They will take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said to him, let him know, but he said this to him to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, pursue me, follow me. So we see something here. Jesus paints a picture that you're going to agape me. If you're going to agape me, then it's going to take you to places you don't want to go. He said, you're going you're gonna to go places and when you get older, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be shackled. You're going to be chained. They're going to lead you. They're going to feed you. You're going to have to submit to what they do. And eventually, you're going to glorify me in your death, signifying that he would be a martyr. Hey, Pete, remember you said you would die for me? I know you wasn't there yet. I know you wasn't. I know you're still at the phileo level. But you're going to, you're going to learn to walk in agape love. That's what he said. He goes, before you die, you're going to walk in agape love because you're going to give your life for me. Isn't that just a full circle? He couldn't do it here, but when he died, he died a martyr's death. They took him and they tried to get him to deny Jesus and he refused to deny Jesus. So they were going to crucify him like Jesus and he said, no, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Will you crucify me upside down? So Peter was crucified. He was martyred upside down because he refused to be die like his Savior. That's a long ways from the guy standing around the coals who said, I don't know who the guy is. Something happens. He, his love grew from a phileo love to an agape love. 
See, grace takes you there. Grace takes you from a phileo love to an agape love. It's, it's heavy stuff, though, man. I mean, this is heavy stuff. Pete, all right. This is how you're going to die. This is how you're going to give your life for the gospel. It was heavy stuff. And look at Peter's response here in John 21, 21 and 2. But Peter asked Jesus, but what about him? Can you get the picture? Hey, Pete, you're going to die this way. Well, what about him? Lord, this is what Jesus replied. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you as for you? Pursue me. See, this is the response that Jesus says to us. It's the same thing here. We love to compare, don't we? I love you. I'm following you. I'm more committed than them. So what about them? If we're not careful, we get caught up in this comparison again. God, why do I have to cry these tears? What about them? God, why do I have to fight this battle? What about them? Why did I have to suffer this pain? What about them? And he says, hey, get your eyes off your neighbor and get your eyes on me. If they never have a pain in their life, what is it to you? I'm still with you. I'm still agape love over your life. My grace is still there. I've called you to walk a martyr's death. I've called you to go out and to suffer. I'm still with you. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else and say, God, you are sufficient for me. Your grace is sufficient for me. Come on, stand and give God praise. God, thank you. God, thank you. Come on, stand to your feet and God, I thank you today. Your grace is sufficient for me. Following Jesus, as you remain standing today, following Jesus means I pursue his grace. I pursue his grace. There is a place he's going to take you from phileo to agape. He, grace pursues you there. You're not there yet. It's okay. It's a journey. Peter didn't get there, and he walked with Jesus. I mean, he was with, Je nobody was closer to Jesus over his life, his ministry, than Peter. And he still struggled. He set the standard really high. He wasn't able, it's okay. But his story didn't end there. His story was covered by grace. And eventually he gave his life as a martyr for the gospel. He spread the gospel. And when Peter died, it helped spread the gospel even further because people saw the commitment of this man who gave his life for the gospel. And if this man will die for the sake of Jesus, there must be something real to this Jesus. Something was so impactful that he gave his life. It's a big thing. So I want you to bow your heads. Father, I thank you today for your grace, which is sufficient for us. God, I thank you today. God, your grace is working in my life. God, I thank you today. God, your grace is alive in our life. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I need to accept God's grace. I need to just give my heart to Jesus this morning. I need to surrender to his lordship of my life. I'm not where I need to be. Today, I need to surrender to grace. If that's you today, it's I'm ready to accept God's grace in my life. We're not gonna single you out. We're not gonna embarrass you. But without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand at me and let me know that's you today? Thank you. Anybody else today, if that's me, I'm ready to give my life to anybody else. Thank you. I see those hands going up. Because you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer out loud with me. Christians around you will help you as well. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you 
and I will follow you in Jesus' name. Come on now, if you believe that, let's give God a hand clap. How many today say, Pastor, I just need to walk in grace more in my life. I've been feeling bad about setting standards and not living there. Come on, we've all been there. It's all right. Let grace flood you today. Walk in the grace. Be flooded by God's grace. Find comfort in God's grace. Today is grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's how we pursue him. I pursue his grace, and it keeps me connected and unified to the Father. Come on, let's return back to a heart of worship. Let's give him a heart today.